0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. My name's Bron, for all of of those of you who don't know me, and I'm privileged to be married to that man over there, Daz Burnell. You can call him Pastor Darren, and and I just want to apologise to everyone in the second row for his massive back, if you can see the stage, you're doing well. Um... Welcome, he is risen Easter Sunday morning. This is the most exciting day on the Christian calendar. This is the moment beyond your own personal decision to follow Jesus that changes absolutely everything. And we're excited. If we were in France right now, we would be declaring to each other, L'amour de Dieu est folie, which means the love of God is foolish. And it's simply the story this morning. If you get nothing else out of this morning, you need to know that the love of God for you is foolish to the point of extravagance. It is scandalous because of what He did on the cross and what He did for us. And I'd like to take you on that journey this morning. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, let us discover a fresh awakening and revitalization of Your love for us. Lord, if we've never experienced it before, I pray today would be the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me take you on a journey. I was born in 1980 in... No, wrong journey, sorry. Um, Catch me outside for that one later on. It's a 40-year epic saga. Um, But but I'm going to tell you about the creation uh, poem. When I was teaching my Year 5 Scripture class about creation, I was telling them about the, the fact that it's in poetic form and telling them that that doesn't mean it's any less true just because it's poetic in prose, that some of the most profound communicated truths have been because they were creative and memorable and uh, but I said to them because maybe one I think goes to church and has any experience of faith I said to them as you grow as you experience as you learn more don't let this creation poem be the thing that trips you up as you're going how can that happen because it's more about the principles and the ideas that work here they're what's vitally important over the exactitude of the record and I didn't obviously use those words they would have been like um, but I said to them you know what's important what's vitally important is what Jesus did and church that's the hill that we die on so as we talk about this creation poem this morning. Uh, let me tell you about it. What happened was that God began to create. God began to create. He created the majestic waters. He created the pounding waves and the glass lakes and the rushing rivers. He created the heavens. He created the innumerable stars, the imposing sun and the romantic moon. He created the animals, the, the, the resplendent, the, the obscure and the, the lovable. He created and He created. He created land. He created the mountains. He created the deep valleys and the shallow plains. Layer upon layer, He created. And He looked at it each time and, and there was this rhythm to it of there being an evening and a morning the first day, an evening and a morning the second day. Different to us because we'd say morning and evening the first day, but He was saying evening, then morning, it was the first day. And each time He would say, oh, yeah, that's good. And then it was like this crowning moment when he created humanity and he looked at humanity and said, oh, this is very good. And it was almost like he created layer upon layer to maintain and to sustain and, and, and even to give rain to humanity. He gave rain to humanity and, and the story continues. When God had done that, he rested It says that the evening came and and having done His work, having declared that it is very good, He rested. He ceased from work. This is the origin of the Jewish practice of Sabbath, which they call Shabbat, which means to rest, to stop working, to cease from working. He decided that it was very good and it was time to rest and to stop working. Why? Because He was tired? No, He's God. Because it was time just to declare a rest and to set up this practice of rest. And Jewish people still carry it out today. They have a day of preparation where they get everything they need so they're not going to be running to the shops, where they cook everything they need so they're not going to be in the kitchen, where they do all the yard work they need so they're not going to be outside working and they stop and they rest. But the origin story continues because this is not just the story of how we came to be, but how we came to be here in a world full of heartbreak and heartache and mistakes. So the story continues that he put this budding humanity in a garden and this garden was amazing and beautiful and it was creative, it was life in life that he gave them meaningful work to do, creative work to do. And it says that they lived there and felt no shame. I just want you to capture that for a moment. Imagine going day after day after day and no shame, no question of should I have done that? No question of, should I have said that? Just no shame. And they lived like that in this creative, life-giving life. But then they rejected God's best for us to take their best guess at what would be better. They took, as it were, the pen from the writer's hand and rather than lining up their life with God's story, they decided to start writing their own. And, and what ensued was heartache and heartbreak and mistakes. I was telling the year five class, I said to them, tell me everything that happened in 2020. And we filled the whiteboard with all the events of 2020. And then I said to them, okay, well, now let's go through event by event and decide who's to blame. And so for all these things on the board filled up, about 50%, they assigned the blame to Donald Trump. (laughs) Year five kids in Tamworth (laughs) and you might be like me and find that hilarious or you might be offended and affronted and think how are their malleable minds being formed by social media and the Chinese government and TikTok and social media and again and and all the things that are shaping their soft minds of fake news this is disastrous but do you see what you just did there when you said that (laughs) what you did was you just reassigned the blame to someone else and this is a pattern that's been happening since this origin story. When they took the pen and began to write their own story, the man blamed the woman and the woman blamed the temptation. And so blame upon blame just kept getting reassigned. It reminds me of when we had visitors at home and we had our family staying. And I don't know if you'll like this, but the most paralyzing decision of my day from when I wake up till about 9.30 at night when it's on the table is what to have for dinner. It is agonizing. I've got to think about it. It just keeps in the back of my mind. And you might say, well, broad meal plan. And I would say, I don't have a week to make those kind of decisions and uh, and to sit down and do that. But I, I always inevitably, because it's such a big decision for me when we have visitors, I forget a key ingredient and always try to duck out to IGA and get back before anybody notices. And so it was a typical visitors at my house kind of event. And, and I don't know if you're like this at your house, but we've got where we park our cars. We've got my car, we've got Daz's car, we've got a P-plater now, and we all have our places that we park our cars. Well, the visitors don't know that, and they park in strange places. And so as I rushed out to the IGA, and uh, it was dark, um, and I had the music blaring, and I was in a rush, as I said... Just let me be clear, I was in a rush. I put a GT stripe from bonnet to boot of my brother-in-law's Porsche. Now, in my head, I tried to blame him for parking in the wrong spot. But it's hard to have a rational argument in a car accident against the parked car. So the next person to take responsibility and to blame, of course, was me. And, And having taken the blame, it's then incumbent upon me to take responsibility to pay. He could have paid. He really could have paid, but it was my responsibility to pay. You see, there's this book in the Bible that's filled with metaphor and imagery and visions about the end of days called Revelation. And in that book, it's written and and references the start of days or even before the start of days and says here the person who was able to open the book was the one who had been slain since before the foundation of the world. And what happened was, God knew that we would be involved in the blame game. He knew that the man would blame the woman and the woman would blame the tempter, that you 5 would blame Donald Trump and you all would blame TikTok, social media, Mark Zuckerberg, fake news, the Chinese government, or even think they were all one person. And that you would blame them he knew that we would be involved in blaming and blaming he knew that we would ask the question well how much if I am to take the blame what's the statute of limitations here how far into the into the past does this have to descend how much is this going to cost me if I accept responsibility and say that I'm sorry and Jesus knew that that would be our mindset and said I'll take the blame well Jesus how how long for if you're going to if you're going to take the blame that means that you need to make the payment he's like yeah I'll make the payment Well, Jesus, how far into history is that going to extend all the way? Because it's before the foundation of the world. Well, Jesus, how long into the future is it going to extend all the way into the future? Well, for how many people is that payment going to extend to? For all people. For all people, for all time. Jesus said, for everything. This one time sacrifice that you're involved in blaming each other for the heartbreak and the heartache in your world, I will take the blame for and I'll make the payment for. And we just celebrated that event. And we celebrated the statement on Good Friday where Jesus said, It is finished. And when he said it is finished, he meant all time, all people, all things. It's paid for. It's finished. What happened after that? We read in Luke chapter 23, In verse 50, it says now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. So Jesus has just died. He's just declared it is finished. He has given up his spirit. He has laid down his life. His body has been taken down from the cross. And we take up the story in verse 50. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation as the Sabbath was about to begin." So so events have sped up as they were. You know when you're not expecting something and all of a sudden it seems to happen very quickly when you're waiting for something to happen, it drags right out. But when it's unexpected, it just happens so quickly. So here's Jesus and He's died and they didn't expect it. They didn't expect the events to happen. It was just the day before that they're sitting with Him, talking with Him, eating with Him and now He's dead. And so they weren't expecting that and it's happened so quickly and they, they didn't see the Sabbath coming. The Sabbath is about to occur. The sun's about to go down, which means for Jewish people, you stop working. Stop working. And so they had no spices ready to go for his body because what would happen back then is that you would put oil and spices onto the body, rub it in to help with the smell and the decomposition process because in a year, you've got to go back to that tomb, get the bones and put them in a box to make way for a new body of the family to go into that tomb. And they didn't, have the, they didn't take the time, they weren't expecting it and, and so they weren't ready for it. So there was a tomb nearby and fortunately jo, Joseph of Arimathea stepped up to the plate and said, you can use my tomb, just quickly let's wrap it in a linen cloth and let's, let's get it in the tomb. But verse 55, it says, As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed see, the disciples had run scared for their lives. They didn't want to get caught in the drama and the death sentence that they'd just seen take place with their Lord. And men were much more accountable for things. Women were nothing back then. So they were able to get in the right places. They were able to see every lash that the whip cut Jesus with. They were able to see every blow that the soldiers delivered. They were able to wince and feel the pain of Jesus and what He was going through. And they stayed faithful And they stood at the cross and watched him breathe his last breath. Verse 56, Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. They had to stop their work and they had to rest. Verse 1 of chapter 24, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who was alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. so the women had been working and then they had to stop because the law required it and then they went to go and work again but they couldn't they couldn't do any more work because there was no more grave when a tomb is in a garden and there's no body there it's no longer a grave it's now a garden which reminds me of a story that Lukey told me this week where he used to go to the park after church with a bunch of friends and they'd kick the footy and whatever and just hang about. And there were also a bunch of Muslim friends there, um, not their friends, friends amongst themselves. And they struck up an acquaintance and got to talking and inevitably, eventually the conversation turned to faith. And this young Muslim man said to Luke, Luke, you guys have got it easy. Like you just, you make it easy for yourselves. You just say, well, Jesus died on the cross. He's done it all. And now I can do whatever I like. You don't understand for us Muslims, we have to work hard and we have to live right. And we have to do the right thing in order to gain our eternal security. And they said, oh, mate, I'm sorry. You've misunderstood. You, you're, you're confused. No, It's harder. Because we have to have the humility to admit that there is nothing that we can do. There is no work that we can do to make us right with Jesus. We have to put our faith in what He has done. And then we have to let our lives live up to the faith that we profess. We have to let our works reflect the faith that we have in Jesus. It's harder because we can't even get prideful about the good we do because it's all done by Jesus. Reminds me of the Porsche game. Because I took responsibility. I took the blame and I took responsibility to pay. But fortunately, there was provision made by GIO Insurance. They'd made provision for me to have an event like that. Actually, I knew me and I forethought and thought that I would have an event like that. And so I put my premium with the insurance company. And I could have paid that off myself. In fact, I'd probably still be paying it off. But the insurance company had made provision, so I simply just rang them and received what they had already made provision for for me. And they paid. Mary, in another account, it says in John chapter 20, verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener because they were in a garden. Sir, she said. If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. She saw the risen Christ and decided that her work had finished. When he said, it is finished, she then recognised that her work was finished as well. The grave had been returned to a garden. You see, if you focus on your best effort, you'll be waiting outside a grave wondering what you can do. But if you'll enter into his rest, you will dwell in the garden where he wanted you all along. They stopped their work because it was a Sabbath. But God invites us into a Sabbath rest where we cease from our work. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 says that those who believe enter that rest. And Hebrews 4 verse 11 says, make every effort to enter that rest because it's not actually easy. It's harder, like Luke said to the young Muslim men, it's harder to go, there's nothing I can do. In humility, I say, I'm useless. I can't do anything. God, would you save me? I put my trust in Jesus and now will you empower me to live this life and let my works line up with the faith that I profess. It's harder to enter the rest. That's why we need to make every effort to enter it. I wonder for GIO sometimes, they were so gracious, and they made that payment, and I say, "Gracious," because since then, I T-boned a parked car, I put a GT stripe on my own vehicle going around this parked building, and I burnt down my house. And I just wonder, at what point do they stop increasing my premiums and just say, "You are uninsurable as a person?") But the Bible tells me that His messies are new every morning, that His payment never ceases, that He started before the foundation of the world and He'll be there at the completion of it, that He takes our story, that He writes when we say, I want to stop writing my story, God, I want you to write it. And He is the author, the starter and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. We just simply put our trust in Him. And how do we do that? How, 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 because because that creation at the start, we also become a new creation as we put our trust in Him. And John chapter one verse twelve says this: It says, for those who believed Him, I wonder if you're here because you believe Him this morning. Step two, and accepted Him. He gave the right to become children of God. Is today your day to not only believe, but accept Him? to do this harder work of fully trusting in what He's done and declaring that our life is His. We do that simply by praying a prayer like this and meaning it from the bottom of our hearts. We're going to put the prayer up and says, Dear Jesus, thank you for taking the blame for me. Thank you for paying for my sins. I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Please be my Lord and Saviour, my God and friend. Amen. And so this morning, I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer together. And if you want to put your trust in Jesus, if you want to take that harder work of saying, okay, God, it's not what I've done. I've got to just rest in what you've done. Then I would invite you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. So let's just close our eyes this morning because I want to ask you the question, do you want to receive Jesus? Do you want to not only maybe believe in God, but also accept him as your Lord and Saviour, your God and your friend? And if you just want to open your eyes, because we've got to read this together. It says, Dear Jesus, oh, we'll just say it together, sorry. I shot the gun. One, two, three. Dear Jesus, thank you for taking the blame for me. Thank you for paying for my sins. I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Please be my Lord and Saviour, my God and my friend. Amen. just want to close your eyes again because I'd love to pray for you if that's the first time you've prayed that prayer from your heart or the first time in a long time. I'm going to ask the band if they would like to come up. If this is the first time you've prayed this prayer in a long time and you've decided that, yeah, it's time for me to come home to, to Jesus or if this is the first time you've prayed this prayer at all, And you need to know that like Pastor Daz preached on Friday that your sin is cancelled, your eternity is certain and your life can be abundant. I'd love to pray for you. And so for everyone in this room could just be, those who know Jesus could be praying for people in this moment. And uh, I would love to know who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to go ahead and raise your hand and I'm gonna ask you to come out the front, anything like that, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. Um, so one, two, three. If you made this decision this morning, can you go ahead and raise your hand? Awesome, great decision up the back here. Yeah, great decision in the middle. Great decisions over here. Anyone else this morning So yep, over here, awesome. Great decision, great decision, great decision, great decision. Anyone else this morning? Yes, please pray for me, I've made this decision, awesome else. I don't want to rush past this time because I want to give you time to say yes, please pray for me. I need to pray this prayer. I need to come home. I need to be a new creation. Lord God, I pray, Lord, for every single person in this room that prayed from the bottom of the heart, Lord, those who raised their hands and said, yes, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Saviour. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go His way. I pray, Lord, that You would put the right people around them, Lord, to continue in their walk with You. Lord, I pray that this wouldn't be, that this is a decision and I hope I figure it out on the way, but Lord, You would give them clear next steps, Lord, that they would feel the love of Christ, that they would feel the love of their Father to know that they are accepted, that there's nothing else that they need to do, but they are accepted. And that Lord, You're gonna take them on this journey in Jesus' mighty Name. Lord, I pray that right now, there'd be a stirring in their heart that would suggest to them that all things have passed away. The shame is gone. The blame has been taken. And Lord, that You have made them a new creation. Lord, I pray that this would be the first day of the rest of their life and there would be fruit from their decision in the mighty Name of Jesus. Church, can we give them a huge hand this morning? It's awesome.